So, dear friends, hype it up in the chat. Hell's Kill Podcast coming at you. My name is Marcel, and we are leveling up your health. And welcome. This is the Meditation November you're watching. This is a series. Like, we have four podcasts. Today, I'm very, very excited to introduce to you your cup of yoga, a.k.a. Monica. She's from England. She does a lot of yoga and meditation, and she reads the Bhagavad Gita on stream and, of course, reflects about it. It's one of the most famous, It's my, I mean, it's the most famous Hindu text there is. And, yeah, I'm excited to have your cup of yoga here today. How are you doing, Monica? I'm very well. Hello. Hello. I'm very well. I'm very excited and really honored to share this with you. I think it's an, I was saying this to you before, I think it's an awesome topic. And given the challenging times we're all going through, I think to educate and contribute to the education of people in terms of meditation, it's bang on. Um, cool. One slight correction, if I may, I'm not originally from England. I stream from England and yeah. I live in England. I'm okay. originally from Romania, <laughs> but that's all. <laughs> I'm still working for my citizenship, you know, so yeah. Okay, okay. I see. <laughs> I'm very excited to be here. Okay. Um, yep. Okay. Uh, we have a little centering practice coming up right here, right now. So we can tune in a little bit now uh, more of what's coming up. So I invite everybody, also the people in, in the chat to close your eyes, find a great sit, make it comfortable for yourself and root your feet down, root your feet down into the ground, sit up tall and start to feel your breath. Feel your body right here, right now. Breathing in deep into the belly and into the chest. And then bring the attention to not just your body, but also the other bodies right now that we're communicating with everybody in the chat and everybody I mean, <laughs> our opposite, so Monica and me, of course, connecting with each other. And when you're ready, open your eyes again and come back. So, I'm excited. I'm excited. Beautiful. Dear Monica. Can you tell us a little bit about your journey into yoga and meditation before we really get down into the questions? Yeah, well, I've, I've started practicing yoga as a, as a physical activity type thing, more realistically, more out of curiosity. Um, somebody, when I, was, when I was at uni in Worcester, uh, some, one of the lecturers, I've heard that she was doing yoga and I was really looking up to her. And I've heard of yoga, but I wasn't educated enough in it. So I said, you know what, I'll give it a shot. But because um, I had no idea, I had no clue what it was, I said, I'm not going to go to a class because I don't want to make a fool of myself. And so I started practicing at home. Um, I've actually started doing on my own with Yoga with Adrian, who probably many, many people have heard. So she's kind of my YouTube icon when it comes to practicing yoga. And um, 
from from there, I've started um, practicing more and more, just as a physical activity kind of task. And um, but I got really attracted by the books. So the first book that I read was The Tree of Yoga by Iyengar. Um, and the, the the second I started reading a book, one led to another, and you know how it is. You read one book and you find another title within that book and mm-hmm. so on, continue the discovery. But everything was not rosy. And from a mental health perspective, I wasn't very well. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of suffering from severe anxiety and I'm pretty sure I was depressed. Uh, and I've actually got it diagnosed, but I was just miserable. Mm-hmm. And um, after reading more and more, and at the time I was reading the Bhagavad Gita, it really opened my eyes. And so I really delve into this spiritual practicing practice. And I, I did, I was meditating more and more. And eventually I couldn't bear it anymore. And I had kind of a conversation with myself. I like to say I kind of gave myself a, a slap on the face. Mm-hmm. And uh, just to wake myself up, up from that uh, depression. And something flipped, something switched because nothing was the same afterwards. And from that, of course, the story goes much more longer, but just mm-hmm. long story short, um, I've delved into Bhagavad Gita even more. So I read it the second time. The more I read it, the more I learned how I can improve my life uh, from a spiritual perspective and from a mental health perspective and physical. And after that, uh, the other kind of pivotal kind of um, person, I would say, was when I found out about Ramdas. Baba Ramdas was a huge influence in my spiritual practice. So I found out about him from a, from a song, actually, weirdly, and started listening. And everything that he was saying, um, it really made a lot of sense because he was a scientist at heart. It made a lot of sense, and one thing led to another, and now yoga, I try to integrate it in my life, the way I speak, well, I try anything, my meditation, the way I interact with people, and the way, the way I like to serve, and that's a, kind of the short of it. Cool. Amazing. Thank you for sharing. I have a little question. Uh, um, did you so? Did you speak uh, to others about Bhagavad Gita, or did you just reflect on yourself uh, all the time, like without reaching out to other teachers? Maybe I, I just wonder. I, I'm curious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it, well, at first I didn't have anybody to talk to about the Gita because I didn't understand its significance. Uh, So this is an ancient book. It was written in the 6th century before Christ. And like you said, it's pretty much the Bible for the Hindu community, communities. And um, so at first I didn't have anybody to talk to. So I was kind of trying to talk to my partner and some family members, but they, they they hadn't even read it. So it was very difficult. And later on, I was after I've I've done my uh, yoga teacher training. Um, I was looking for places where I could volunteer because, as a young yoga teacher, you know this. You try to to volunteer to increase your experience and so on. So I was trying to to speak to different uh, yoga studios, and eventually, 
I rang a place called uh, Drew Yoga, mm-hmm. and uh, and I rang them, and I rang them because I saw that they they were doing this retreat on the Bhagavad Gita, and mm-hmm. immediately that drew my attention. Yeah. So Makes the beauty sense. of that is the person that spoke to me on that day. Um, they were so open-hearted, so much so that she is now my mentor. And so they're so focused on the Gita, and um, I am so grateful and honored, and I'm part of their satsang, so I take part in different rituals and ceremonies with them uh, twice a week. So I'm very, very close and connected with them and influenced by them. Yeah, yeah. so it it was beauty, beautiful. And the the lovely thing is that it's the Gita, the Bhagavad Gita that led me there. And it was the Gita that led me to Ramdas because he speaks about the Bhagavad Gita all the time. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the common commonality. Mm-hmm. Okay. If you hear any noises, just just if you hear any noises, they're from outside. It's oh. um, yeah, it's yeah, it's the fifth of November was yesterday, and people still have fireworks and they're oh, wow. celebrating. Mm-hmm. Okay, <laughs> okay, we see. <laughs> So let's let's go on. Let's go on a little bit. Let's come to the questions. Um, the first question is rather a short one. Is meditation difficult? Depends how you see it. Yeah. <laughs> Depends how, how do you see it. <laughs> when I first started meditating, it was I found it very hard. Yeah. Meditation is a place where you come to a rather still point and you're often you're confronted with your mind and so it can be very scary at first but that's the beginning once you get used to it you seek it because mm-hmm. you know it will really soothe your heart yeah but at first it might seem scary so one piece of advice if i may uh, for anybody looking into this don't be scared because that's just the mind. The mind, it's a, it's a wonderful thing, but sometimes it can go against us. And mm-hmm. so, therefore, it can give us the perception that it's difficult. Yeah, yeah. So, you're, you're saying, don't be scared, and we're, we're connecting to that right now. Um, there's, there's one question that I'm, I'm really down to the heart interested in, and, mm-hmm. and this is... This one uh, that's coming up is meditation dangerous, mm. and I really uh, would like to maybe let you speak a little bit for a moment, if you can. Yeah, yeah, I think it's a brilliant question because uh, it can be. It's if it depends, it would depend a lot of the type of meditation, and especially. Yeah, it will depend a lot of what type of meditation you're looking into because there are so many. If you try to integrate, for example, a powerful meditation with a powerful Kundalini practice, practice, for instance, and it's really strong and you're not prepared and you're not doing that kind of under any form of guidance, it can be medit- It can be a bit... I don't know, challenging or I don't know if dangerous is the word. If mm-hmm. you might have a, he- a headache, you know, for I know for a fact there are some practices where if you're not prepared and they're strong, they're powerful, mm-hmm. they can give you a headache, you know, so you should 
be careful with those and mm-hmm. don't start straight away with the really tough stuff. So yeah. start, start gentle. So yeah, what what is powerful meditation on one hand and what's, what is gentle meditation for you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so gentle meditation, I think, is perhaps when you just follow your breath. I think it's 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 very, how should I put it, subjective, depending on the experience. From my perspective, I find gentle meditation, just sitting with my breath, but it often depends on the day. Because if in a specific day, I will be confronted with a million of thoughts, and I have to sit there following my breath, it's going to be very hard. Mm -hmm. But in another day, if I feel very connected with the universe Mm -hmm. and I come back to my breath, it's much more easier. A more powerful practice, perhaps, it will be when you try to integrate a specific pranayam, yeah? So a breathing exercise within the meditation. And then straight after, perhaps you integrate a certain mantra, which is can... Perhaps you use a very powerful one. And that's a powerful meditation. And sometimes, and at this point, I have to admit, I like the more powerful one, you know, um, but I appreciate the gentle ones as well. Mm-hmm. It's beauty in all of them. Yeah. I don't know if that answers your question. Yeah, yeah sure. <laughs> um, let's go in a little bit deeper um, uh, in towards, um, like, let's say, we speak about time. Let's just say mm-hmm. you're sitting, you're sitting with your breath, and let's speak about time. What do you mm-hmm. think would be like a good, good time for beginners? Mm. If you've have, if you've never done meditation before, and you're struggling with time, you want to integrate this. Do you know what? Even five minutes will make a difference. Mm-hmm. Any little help, every little helps really. Uh, if you, if you're working and you take your for yourself five minutes in between tasks, you will notice the difference within yourself afterwards. And then if you increase that incrementally, so from five minutes you move to ten to fifteen, perhaps twenty, which is twenty minutes is kind of the recommended dose for a better phrase of um, kind of minimal meditation. So that one can really see and sense the effects. But up until you get there, even five minutes, if you do that, it's, it matters because it will have a long-term effect. As long as you do, you, you keep coming back to your mm-hmm. practice. You keep coming back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Thank, thank you for answering uh, that question. What is your definition of meditation? My definition of meditation? Yeah. Yeah, I would say be what what is, and come back to your to your breath. Just be with what is, and come back to your breath. Just let go, and you can do that while eating. You can do that while having a conversation. You can do that while walking. You know. Mm-hmm. And in that way, you can be even be in a constant meditation at a point. It's a hard, it's a long journey there. Awesome. But <laughs> that's exactly, yeah. That's. When do you know that you experience meditation? So kind of like reflect upon yourself. Oh, wow. Did I experience meditation right now? Or was that something else? <laughs> mm, I think it, it goes, again, 
it goes back to the day you're having because um i'm kind, personally i'm kind of against labeling stuff yeah but in today's society we have to mm. um there was a time where um i was labeling even more than i do to i mean much more than i do to today mm -hmm. nowadays and i was um I would, for me, back then, when I first started, for me, it would be, okay, I'm going to go and meditate. So for me, it was just sitting down and allocating myself. That was, I don't know, 10, 20 minutes back then. And I said, that's it. I did my meditation. And perhaps sometimes I still do that. But now I also feel I'm meditating when I allocate myself a minute before my food. You know, I have that relationship. I feel I'm meditating just before getting out of bed, when I give myself that two minutes before I get out of bed in the morning, you know? Mm -hmm. But then also sitting down and really giving myself the time and space to focus on my breath or on my mantra or whatever sort of meditation I'm doing. So mm -hmm. I think, um, yeah, it's a bit of everything, really. Uh, you can experience meditation in a lot of, a lot of different ways. Yeah. What do you think about having goals in meditation? I think um, eventually the ultimate goal of meditation, I, I, I think we should all have this goal, is to be free. <laughs> That's the whole point, isn't it? That's why we're doing the practice in the first place. That's why we, we go through yoga. That's why we try to apply yoga that's why we meditate that's why we pranayam and so on to eventually be free okay mm -hmm. um so i personally i think that should be that's kind of the ultimate goal mm -hmm. but also in there are specific types of meditation that the meditations that you can have where perhaps you want to attract something in your life you know some goodness yeah mm -hmm. so perhaps a bit more love or perhaps a bit, I don't know, more clarity. <laughs> Asking questions within your meditation, it's such a beautiful, beautiful way to, a beautiful thing to do. So I think it's not necessarily a bad thing. I think, <laughs> I think it's, it's a bit dangerous at first to give yourself a goal in time. And I, get, I, I talk from experience, you know, when I first started meditation, I was thinking, I need to meditate for at least 15 minutes, you know, and you have that mind at the beginning where you think, no, it has to be that time, but you're more focused on hitting the clock rather than being with the breath and that it's counterintuitive. And so uh, I think healthy goals in meditation would be things like being free, being free from attachment, um, having a clearer mind, um, having less anxiety and more joy, you know, sensing love for yourself and for those around you um, and being closer with the divine in whatever form or shape you feel the divine is. So, sure. yep. yeah. Uh, I like that you uh, spoke about being free of attachment, mm -hmm. um, especially also Meanwhile, you're talking about goals, right? It's kind of like, oh, yeah, be free of attachment, but we have goals. <laughs> so it's fun. Absolutely. Well, that's the <laughs> ultimate desire that if, and if eventually even that one. So they say that 
uh, you should be free from desire, but the ultimate desire has to be the desire for God or the divine or however you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Eventually, even that desire has to go, but it's the last one to go. Mm-hmm. I think that that's that's what they say anyway. Yeah. So um, my, might I quickly explain how I see like the view of attachment? Absolutely. And then, um, then you can kind of like tell if you agree with it or not. Mm-hmm. So I was always look at it like in meditation, we're kind of like also participating like in a school test, if you want to say so. So you so can prepare to a school test, you prepared your best and you don't care about the result because you prepared your best. So you're just doing your best and you don't care about what's coming out, out of it, right? That's being not attached to the outcome, right? Yeah. And then if you're having a goal, right? Then if you're having a goal and you want to get the, oh yeah, I want this big mark. I want this um, good mark for, from this test. And you work so hard and you're, you're really, really sad that you don't get there. And that's kind of like, like a little bit dangerous, in my opinion, that yeah. you can be really, really sad after meditation because you don't get what you want, right? And that's, that's being free of attachment for me, at least how I explain it. Mm, that is very wise and it's a very lovely way to put it. Yeah, I agree. The Bhagavad Gita, of course, going back to it, um, yeah. huge fan. And <laughs> um, it actually says very clearly, renounce the fruits of your actions. So imagine your example with the exam, that it's spot on. So the idea is that if I study for an exam, yeah, I study it, but if I constantly will have, I will have my thinking mind on the mark I'm going to get, I will be less focused on the study, yeah, on the actual text or whatever I'm studying for. So therefore, when I get to the exam, I'm not going to know a lot anyway, because I was too focused on the goal itself. Well, had I been more focused on actually digesting the information I'm trying to get and forget about what's going to happen with my mark, I'm going to go to the exam place and I'm going to have all the information in my head. So I think that's a that's a lovely example. That's a really spot on example. Yeah, that's the idea, isn't it? You know, there are things outside of our control. And because of the ego mind, we often are so focused in controlling everything and anything. And so when we don't get what we want, for us, it's kind of shaking up our ego, and that's a problem. Buddha himself was attachment in his uh, second noble truth. He did mention attachment. That's that's the problem, you know. It's the attachment that's the kind of the root of suffering, and of course ignorance. But those are the thing things, isn't it? It's our desires, our desires. Wonderful. So um, let's come to the next question. Who should do meditation? <laughs> That's such a simple one. Everyone. <laughs> Everybody. Yeah. I think. <laughs> Everybody. If everybody med- meditated, I think mm-hmm. uh, the world would be in a very different place now. And we, we would have more clarity. Surely we would be at different stages, you know? You have kids meditating at the age of, I don't know, 10 and elderly meditating and everybody meditating. Everybody will have their own journey and their own kind of karma. But still, 
they will have more clarity you know we won't take everything so personal because i think i think i was talking to someone recently and i think that's the problem we take everything so personal we transform something that might not be a big deal into a huge drama it's like oh my god <laughs> it's not a big deal you know and i do that myself often and then most people do it um but yeah everyone everyone yeah, let's just do it. <laughs> um, let's go on. In your opinion, how should a beginner start to meditate? We have that mm. ahead already a little bit, but maybe you can elaborate. Yeah, yeah. I think in a very specific way, just perhaps try to find find a space that it's perhaps nice and quiet, space that is clean, a space that you can make it a, a, of your own, you know, it can be a corner in your room, you know, if you can't have a total different room, mm -hmm. something that is quiet and you make that space your own. Yeah. And in terms of kind of time, just allocate yourself a bit more time, perhaps, as I said, even five minutes mm -hmm. and just focus on your breath. You can start by listening to a bit of meditation music. Nowadays, there are all sorts of apps that are absolutely amazing. If you don't know where to start, mm -hmm. there is huge guidance and advices and free courses. And I mean, I think your lovely series is part of that. It's contributing to educate people into learning more about uh, how meditation works. Definitely. So start, yeah. So start simple. Yeah. Don't create, don't think that oh my god officially i'll be starting to meditate meditate and don't be busy meditate meditating yeah. come back to your breath come back to your breath <laughs> super um i'm also linking a little link in the end of this uh, podcast so you can uh, kind of like see my recommendation where you start at um, where you can start at. Now we go a little bit further. We're going to a little bit more complex um, substance right now. We're going into duality and non-duality. Um, mm -hmm. Do these words say something to you? Or we, live in, we live in a very dualistic world. We live in a very separate world, yeah. don't we? So that's <laughs> how I, that's the synonym that I, I would use for duality, separateness. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a big problem or challenge yeah. in today's world. Can, can you explain a little bit, like, what does duality mean in terms of maybe the body? Can you do that within hmm. your body or not? So you're thinking, because um, I was more thinking about the separateness between... Yeah. The separateness between, if you, if you think within the body... Mm -hmm. I see my, if I see my body separate from those around us, mm -hmm. if I don't see my body as an integral part of my consciousness, that's yeah. how I would see duality. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That is it. Um, so consciousness and your body is kind of like split in two. That's exactly mm. it. And we are going now a little bit further. Um, as I as I ask this question here, is meditation rather connected to masculinity or femininity? 
mm-hmm. you need to see like this question only makes sense if we kind of like agree on like there is duality but kind of we want not to be in duality we want to be in non-duality first off we want to be like we have the body and the mind connected to each other and we have we, we are one kind of uh, within, right? And this question now only makes sense if somebody is like uh, rather in like duality thoughts, like maybe more into consciousness or more kind of like hold back by the body, if you want to yeah, say yeah. so. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, what, what do you think about that? Um, is meditation rather connected to the masculinity or to the femininity or to the consciousness or the, the physical body? Yeah. I think um, depending depending on your journey, where you are in your journey, I think it can be connected to all of those. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So for example, when you first start, you will feel more perhaps even physical pain when you start in your meditation. Yeah. You will be, perhaps you'll feel contracted by time management you might feel contracted by physical pain. You know, your knees might hurt if you haven't done some sort of movement beforehand. Um, and But in the same time, you will be faced with your own thoughts. And that's the mind, isn't it? So I see this kind of tug of war between, yeah, like you said, the consciousness and the ego mind, I call it. Many people call it the ego mind. So often it's our rational mind. So we will... Um, we will try to perhaps, perhaps we will have a certain vision or some sort of experience within our meditation. And especially at first, we will, we will either be taken aback by it and we will say to ourselves, oh my God, what a wonderful experience. Or we will say, ah, oh, that was nothing, shove it under the rug. And that's the ego mind, you know? And in terms of masculinity and femininity, like, you know this, and I know you've spoken about this in the previous lovely podcast that you've done, um, but we all have feminine and masculine energy within us. Mm-hmm. And so perhaps perhaps some people might argue, oh, it, it's definitely connected with the feminine energy because you have that intuition and you 100% you connect to that. And it's true. Mm-hmm. But in the same time, you are also faced with the rational mind. You you also need the strength within you. So therefore, my answer to you would be all of them, really. Yeah. That's the whole point. It's a holistic, holistic approach, isn't it? Yeah. And like you mentioned, we want to integrate all those elements. We want to come out of separateness into the one, into the source. So that's uh, that's another goal. There you go. Yeah. I like that answer. Thank you so much. Um, let's go on. Uh, let's talk about children or animals. Are they in Yay. a natural state of meditation? What do you that's think? A, I, I, you know, I think that's a beautiful question. And I never thought of that, you know, so I think it's a brilliant way to put it. Well, if you notice, I, I think we have so much to learn. Like, for example, from children, we have so much to learn. And we know there are different types of meditation, and one of them is, for example, the practice of mindfulness, which is mm-hmm. quite popular nowadays, and it's lovely. So the idea of being present in the moment with your breath and with whatever you have going on, and children also have that beautiful spark, that beginner mind. So 
from that perspective, I think sometimes they are because they are very much in the moment. They are, you know, you, you watch children at the train station. They're fascinated by trains. Perhaps you, they've seen dozens before, but every single time they're fascinated. And look, mom, there's a train or a tram or, you know, there's a dog. Everything is a miracle in their eyes. And I think that's such a powerful way that and to see the world, something that we grown-ups, we've kind of lost and it's really sad. Mm-hmm. And going back, going to animals, um, I think, again, their, their, their presence, you know, we're talking at a different level, of course. So we're not necessarily comparing, but taking, I don't know, God, um, uh, uh, cats, for example, and they have a certain energy and they're present with whatever there is. And if they're not in a mood of you petting them, you know this better than me. <laughs> <laughs> they'll just walk away. And yeah. and dogs, for example, they'll be so loyal and joyful. And, but again, they will be and they will sense and they will be. I think one common ground that we all have, even with all the other beings, is that connection with something within um and that's something perhaps we grown-ups we have to remember Mm -hmm. Uh, how important is it to have a meditation teacher oh beautiful question um i think it's personally from, from my experience it's important but if you don't have one, it's not the end of the world. If you have somebody to support you in your growth, in your meditation, it's beautiful. And you are blessed and you should be grateful. But not everybody has that. What most people have nowadays, though, they have access to different resources. So, and I speak from experience because... I have my mentor, for example, I have this wonderful satsang that I'm part of and connect and so on. And I learned so much from them, but a lot of the practice, I do it on my own. And I think that's crucial. I think we should seek less external teachers. That doesn't, that doesn't mean that we should stop, mm-hmm. but seek more that inner teacher. Yeah that often people forget. I think it's a question the same with, if you're comfortable, if you're comfortable in mentioning the idea of, of gurus, you know, mm-hmm. because there's a huge differ- difference between a teacher and a guru. Mm-hmm. And there are many people, um, I myself, back in the days, I was thinking, I would love to be able, you know, to go to India and find a guru, you know, the whole story. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can't say I kind I found somebody uh, kind of in a physical form. That doesn't mean I don't have one. They say everybody has an inner teacher. So we should we should kind of really look within first, mm-hmm. and then if we can get support from people around us um, to guide us in our meditation journey, that that's just bliss. You know, that's perfect. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, let's go on. What do you think about people that share their their own meditation experience? Does it help or does it hinder your spiritual growth? 
I think sharing experience with, with other people, things that you, you've had in your own meditation practice, mm-hmm. I think it's beautiful. There is a bit of a risk, yes. I don't think it hinders anything, but I think perhaps uh, it doesn't help the ego mm-hmm. in a sense of, um, oh my God, if you had that experience, how come I didn't have that experience? Yeah. So we're, again, we're going back to the idea of attachment. Yeah. We, at- we attach ourselves to the experience, but an experience, it comes and goes. And perhaps you know this yourself. I'm sure that you, you'll never have the same experience in a meditation twice. Mm-hmm. You might have a powerful uh, practice once and something extraordinarily happened to you. And the next time, next time, time around, you're going to try and recreate to think, okay, I'm going to do this again. And I can feel this happen. Now. And you have this scenario in your head, but you have to let go. Yeah. Because then something happens, happens and you don't have the same experience, you know? So I think um, always it's beautiful to listen to other people's stories because it kind of paints a picture on the possibility of, Okay, that's might that might happen, but it's very important not to be kind of cling, not to cling to that. To yeah. think that yeah. will definitely happen to me. Yeah. There's no right or wrong in this business, you know. It's whatever stuff you have going on, whatever experience you have to go through. You go through them and there is you shouldn't judge it. You shouldn't think that's brilliant. That's not brilliant. No, no. I think Everything happens in your journey exactly as it's supposed to happen, and it's absolutely perfect. There you go. Cheers for that. (laughs) (laughs) Cheers. So good. Um, Next question coming up. What does it mean not to meditate? I think we all experience that most of the time. I think we all... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I experience that, you know, when um, when we don't feel that those tools working, when we are in an argument and we are being reactive, when uh, we are we are not present, you know, with what it is. You're cooking lunch, and you don't even realize you're cooking lunch because you're thinking on the next task. On the mm-hmm. next task, mm-hmm. I always give this example. I used to do myself. I used to come from work, like home, home. I would think of work when I was at home, mm-hmm. and then I would go to work. I would be thinking of home, and I would never <laughs> be present. You know, standard. Yeah. And I think that's kind of that's 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 how I would define not necessarily meditation, or even if you try to set up the scene and. I don't know, you'll be thinking of something totally different, you know, and just making plans and just having conversation and you don't catch yourself. Then I think that's also not necessarily meditation. It's it's effort. It's not necessarily meditation. Good. Um, Are you similar? Similar. Are you familiar with the term to flow to flow or flow state? Yeah, in a state of flow. Yeah. 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 Does yeah. does this resemble some kind of meditation for you? 
what do you think about that because you're really focused right you're not you're not taking like thinking about like home when you're at work when you're at home you're cooking <laughs> and you're really focused on cooking does it resemble some meditate uh, quality of meditation to you the state of flow can i i see living in a state of flow you know in the dance they call it a dance mm -hmm. um I think often it comes almost like um, an after effect on the back of your meditation practice, you know, or it can be in the same time with your mindfulness practice. So if you're sitting, if you're staying there cooking your lunch, for instance, and you're just there and you, you have that relationship with food and you, you're just grateful for the nourishments that you're just about to get. Mm -hmm. um, and you feel everything that happens around you, it happens it's just the right, right way. That's how I feel the state of flow is, you know, you want to finish a task, but you wouldn't want to finish the task until, I don't know, something else finishes. And that something else finishes exactly spot on when you wanted it to finish and so on. You can move on to the next. And there are cues around you that guide you where to go. And there's almost like effortless. Yeah. It's an effortless living. Wonderful. That's how I see that state of flow. Yeah. I, I love effortless to think about effortless. Uh, kind of like when I work or when I do something. Also, when I have this podcast, we should be thinking about being effortless. Yes, yes. Because otherwise you get burnout, don't you? If we identify ourselves with, they call the, they call it the actor, um, you get burnout, you know, you get anxiety and you might have a headache, you know, because you identify yourself too much with the model of who you're supposed to be rather than just enjoy the conversation with a friend sure. you know that's it good let's go on a little bit shall we uh what did people around you think after you started to practice meditation did they see a change in you or did they support you or maybe did they judge you <laughs> what happened there hopefully some of them there in the chat so ask them <laughs> 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 Um, I think they saw a change because they know, um, they're firstly, they were incredibly supportive and my partner was kind of, oh, I, words are limited to express how supportive he was for me, especially because I wasn't, I wasn't very well myself and he himself, he has Asperger syndrome. So yeah, he's, he's on the autistic spectrum. So it's not easy for him. Saying that he was there for me all along and the rest of my family, they were, they were there for me. And I think they 100% they saw the transformation. Mm -hmm. I remember one day I was at one of my old jobs and I was, um, I put my resignation on. And there was a colleague of mine and I kept on talking about yoga to everybody. And back then, um, had I gotten my training, my teacher training? I think I was just about to get my teacher training, but I was kind of wouldn't stop about yoga. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was just about, I just put my resignation. I was talking to this colleague of mine and she said to me, you know, 
the past 12 months, I saw in you an incredibly difference. You're a different person. And that was a few years ago. And I can say for a fact that, yeah, everybody, my, my sisters have told me, it's a huge difference. I'm not the person I was a few years ago. And meditation was one, only one of the tools that I've used to guide me in this growth. Um, it's not easy, but with time, yoga as a way of life becomes your life. There's no separation. It's not, I'm doing yoga on the mat and that's it. I'm meditating and that's it. It becomes part of who you are. And that's when you can be, you can show up in a more authentic way, I would say. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, leave that question out of the way. Uh, Is it too hard? No, I no, mean, uh, it's already hard. answered. <laughs> so, so <laughs> um, what are you doing when you do, don't have any motivation or time for meditation? And what does happen to you? So how does your world look like if you're not meditating? Would you like me to share from my experience or just in generally yeah. how I see my experience? Your, your experience, your experience. Yeah. I used to have, it's funny you bring up the element of time because I kept on talking about the relationship with time lately with different friends. And um, that is highly linked with with motivation, isn't it? Mm -hmm. And um, discipline, it's a huge, a huge element that has to be put into practice. But then, in the same in the same time, acceptance when you you're you're not there, mm -hmm. acceptance that it's okay. Because again, we're going back to that egoistic mind where I have to do it or else. Yeah. Or else nothing, you know, be kind to yourself. If you know you will you will nurture your heart and mind and even your body much more if you're kind to yourself and you don't push yourself to sit for 20 minutes mm -hmm. uh, and focusing on your breath when your mind wanders anyway, you know, mm -hmm. that's pointless. So perhaps you'd rather spend some time with a loved one and have that connection that can also be classed as meditation or go for a walk mm -hmm. that can also be meditation a beautiful meditation so i think um it is discipline but when you have a bad day and again i know what a bad day can look like um be very kind to yourself take a bath listen to a beautiful piece of music you know if you're into the arts paint you know, anything that really nurtures your heart. And with time, the right motivation will come to you uh, at the right time. Cool. Thank you. Um, we are going now into questions. Um, if you guys like to ask something in the chat, please feel free to write. And I see already Tinox from Germany has written something in the chat. And I like to pick that up, even if there's no... Um, how, how is the sign called? Like, question mark question mark there <laughs> really trying to grasp how you can be kind and authentic without allowing yourself desires 
Say that again. So, really? so I'm really trying to grasp how you can be a kind of an authentic without allowing yourself desires. Like he goes Around back to the desires. Be, goes back to the attachment of desires. Mm. Yeah. So being kind to someone without it depends on the relationship you have with that person, I would say. So for example, let's take a specific example. You want to be kind with somebody and perhaps you're attracted to them and you want to be genuine but you don't want to be attached in that way and that this one that might not be the case it's just <laughs> one example yeah um try we often move well firstly it's 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 hard you take you do it gradually but i think one element that has to come into place is to not see that person as an object. When we see another person, going back to my example, if you're attracted to that person, but you want to be kind and authentic to them, if we have desires towards them, that often might come from a place of seeing them as an object. So rather, perhaps, try to see what's what's deeper th than that within them so perhaps you don't want to move things further with them and you want to be friends for example mm -hmm. can you take a step back and see that person not necessarily just a person but part of you as a soul put it plainly to see the soul within them and then allow things to flow naturally. And if something is supposed to emerge out of that, then it will and so be it. You know, always be truthful, be kind. And if you, if you struggle sometimes, just be honest. Be honest in a way that doesn't contribute to suffering. <laughs> That's my humble advice. Yeah. I think that answers a little bit your question, Tinox, does it? And next to that, if you have any more questions, please feel free to ask right now. Other than that, we're going to be in the Discord for a little bit afterwards. If you like to have it ask the question more private, we can also do that there. And yeah, excited about that. Um, good. So um, we have... We have just a thought here coming up and we're, we're just reading that. And then if no more questions are coming up, we're kind of like finishing up slowly here. And then we're heading over to the Discord. I think desires come from attachment, whereas being kind and authentic come from pure love, says Roxy's Mindstream Art. Ah, beautiful. That is awesome. Yes. Yes, desires come from attachment and kindness from comes from pure love. Yeah, yeah. And often the line between the two, because of our mind, it can be quite blurred, can't it? The mind can, be, I always say this, I think the mind is, they, they say the mind is a beautiful servant, but a terrible master. <laughs> <laughs> and but the problem that we have we allow the mind nine times out of ten to allow it to be the master mm -hmm. hence the idea of control hence the idea of being attached mm -hmm. um, hence the idea of taking stuff personally 
But actually, if we come back to that place of love and we're not we're not so afraid of opening up towards others, I think we might end up to see the world in a very different place. And it's not to say that we should always kind of live with a head in the clouds and that's it. No, we need the rational mind. We need it. It's just we we need we need the balance because at, at this point it's almost like the ego mind is up to here and the heart is down here. So you just need to bring it up a notch so they're nice and balanced. Um, so that you know, when we have a conversation and somebody says something that might upset us, we don't take it to heart straight away. We take a step back and kind of reflect that we're not so reactive. That's the problem very often. We take everything to heart and we make such a drama out of everything and anything. Um, and then we go upset and then we create our own scenarios and then, oh my God, what did they say? It's the end of the world. And actually, you look back and you think, oh, this was just in my head. None of it is real. Yeah. I was doing this exercise, which I absolutely loved. Um, and I tried it with a family member and it worked where <laughs> I made her think that she was on a boat in the middle of a storm all alone. You know, like close your eyes and imagine there's a storm and you're all alone in this boat and it's, the weather, it gets worse and worse and worse. And you're, you're this close to get drowned. And then I said, okay, so open your eyes. And I said, how do you feel? And she said, afraid. I said, where are you? I'm on a boat. She was on her sofa. <laughs> Where's the boat? So I said, really, are you on a boat? Look around you. You're in your living room. Where's the boat? Just to point, paint a picture that a lot of the stuff that we create, they're just mind created <laughs> and they're extrapolated. We should see things more like children, that beginner's mind, and take things as they are, you know, let go of stuff much more quicker. Hello, can we enjoy things here on Earth, in this body, without attachment? Yeah, it's hard, but we can, you know. This whole idea of this whole journey and integrating yoga into our lives and starting on a spiritual practice, meditation and all sorts. None, none of this means that you, we, ha we don't have to kind of honor our incarnation. You still have to honor your body, honor the, your environment, pay your bills, know your neighbors, real, like really factual stuff. And then, but in the same time, like there, imagine there are layers. So there, there's one level where you have to pay your bills, you have to take your kids to school, you have to feed your pet and so on. In the same time, there's another layer way back where it says, don't take everything so seriously yeah. because this, is, this isn't the, t the whole game. The universe and the world that we, we see now, it's merely, and again, I'm not a guru or anything, and I, I only talk from the studies and the stuff that I've learned, just, just like probably you, Marcel. But this is what I feel is true. 
this is not the end, you know, everything that we see around this is what they call prakriti, so nature mm-hmm. and the, that materialistic world. But there's another le- level, you know, they say that we are all surrounded by all different levels and levels of beings and the mind, our mind is fairly limited. Because that's why we can't really see, we can't perceive. This is why there are certain kind of stuff out there that allow people to open their mind, you know, and that's a different topic. I'm not going to talk necessarily about that, but there are ways into which you can open your mind more widely. And meditation, it's a beautiful tool for that because what meditation does, it allows you to access a subconscious mind. And this is not just wishy-washy. Um, there, there's a lot of science behind it. Uh, if I may, I would like to recommend a book. I think it's in audio form as well. It's called mm-hmm. Altered Traits. And it's a team of scientists, t- scientists uh, at the Harvard universities that conducted a series of different tests, particularly on loving kindness meditation or meta meditation. Mm-hmm. But they've also tested people with um, uh, TM, so transcendental meditation, so different times, and they've compared effects. And there are journals written about it and all sorts. So there's a lot of science. Science is only catching up with the stuff, really. Yeah. So I think we should be so much more open into receiving these type of, of, of information and not take stuff so damn serious, you know. Uh, take it a bit more lightly, with a light heart. Wonderful. Okay. I think we are ended on that. Take it a little more lightly with an open heart. <laughs> That's very wonderful. So, dear Monica, dear your cup of yoga, where can people find you in the internet and on Twitch? Can you tell us a little bit for also the listeners that are just listening into the podcast? Yeah, so uh, you will find me on Twitch. So I stream weekly on Twitch. I stream Wednesdays and Saturdays, um, I tend to do classes in Hatha Yoga. So I'm a level three Hatha Yoga teacher, but I also do sessions where I talk pretty much like today on various topics. Normally that's a Saturday and um, I touch subjects like how to integrate, how to apply yoga into your life, how to develop better relationship, how to serve people and help yourself. So various topics. So Twitch is one platform. Uh, you'll find me on Facebook at uh, Your Cup of Yoga. And I'm also on Instagram at Your underscore Cup of Yoga. YouTube will also come up <laughs> at a point. I don't know, Aaron. Uh, <laughs> <point>. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> but yeah. So it was my pleasure having you, first of all. And I want to mention again, if you guys uh, need some advice in like meditation or so, please feel free to either message me, come into my Discord or check out your cup of yoga, message her um, and reach out to us if anything is going on uh, that you need help with. Right now, uh, we are um, heading over to Discord and we will go and talk there a little bit more. We are finishing this whole thing up. If you like to speak with us, please come in, join my Discord, and we are heading into a chat. Um, Health Skill Podcast presents Meditation November. Next week, we are here with Meditation Minute on Sunday. So if you guys like to join in, we're going for three more times for 
this whole meditation November. We have beautiful guests. We have my my first yoga teacher here. We have my uh, meditation teacher coming on. Uh, it, it's a, it's a she. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's a woman. <laughs> I also want to honor that. And. Yeah, tune in live at www.moment.yoga slash twitch. We are available on all podcast platforms. Health skill podcast. We are leveling up your health skill.